And now for the Black Firehouse Podcast, the only Ghostbusters podcast that discusses props, costumes, sets, and special effects with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. I blame myself. So do I. Let's get ready. Switch me on. Good morning, Black Firehouse Podcast. Welcome back, of course, to Session 15. I am your host, Dan Harshman, with my co-host... Austin Young. And I'm excited for another episode. How are we feeling today, Austin? Uh, hungry. Haven't eaten yet. But oh, goodness. Also excited to talk about props. Always excited to talk about props. Yeah, this is uh, for for us. This is a little bit of a change in our recording schedule. You know, we I, I always try to say good morning at the beginning of the podcast, but when we actually record, it is very random. We don't. We've tried set times, but something always gets in the way because both of us uh, pretend to have fulfilling lives. Um, but like today, <laughs> this is we're recording at noon, and I'm pretty sure both of us have only been awake for roughly an hour, maybe an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, something like that. It's fine. It is fine. So, um, well, let's let's get into it. I mean, our last episode was our our longest episode yet, and we were just talking about Greeblies. Um, and we had thought about talking about wands this episode, which I know will also be another long episode, but um, we're actually going to talk about uh parts that would go on the shell so we started with shells back on session 13 greeblies on session 14 and uh you had made a good point that we really should be dedicating a whole episode to the actual parts be that aluminum resin 3d printed uh pvc scratch built that that are going on there um so i i feel like in my bones that we have another fairly long episode ahead of us which i know our listeners will be happy about um but as far as prop news has anything caught your eye out there we got another label we did yes we did from the same detective yes that was i mean it was just like one two bam we didn't even have time to recover from the last one it's like oh here's another one yeah, uh, and it, it, this one was the uh, synchronous generator um, filter label, the yellow one. Mm-hmm. But really, kind of one of my favorite labels, and I just think because it stands out, you know, there there's no other yellow labels. You would expect yellow labels to be all over this thing because that's like the the traditional warning radioactive kind of color motif. But yeah. it's the it's the only one of that that color. Yellow is very sparsely used in a proton pack um and it's just a cool label and and it always kind of stands out draws your eye when you're looking Mm -hmm. at it you know um but yeah it it was on some kind of uh industrial air tanks you know i'm gonna be honest with you i don't even remember i didn't pay attention to what they were actually on i was just like oh look at that label look at it (laughs) And uh, uh, I know his username is Podesta, but uh, pro, pro, no. Prodesta. Hold on, you're looking it up too. Uh, 
who can get to it first on our boat. Pro, really, pro, we research stuff and then like we're just like we're just getting old. About it. <laughs> Prodestrian? It might be Prodestrian. If I could, my, uh, my phone is like locking up on me because of course it is. Well, I mean, you're all the yeah, way out. Prodestrian. Prodestrian. Yeah. Chris Rossi. Yeah, Chris. So that's and like good job, Chris. Like that's the that's the second completely, you know, unobtainable label that that he's identified. Like in in a week's worth of time. Yeah, I mean you know, I, I don't expect anyone to ever really find one, but it's just cool to know where they came from, where they originated. Um what their original intended, you know, piece of machinery or whatever, you know, they were attached to. Um, you know, like everybody's bringing up in the comment sections and stuff that, you know, Apex probably just ran into a surplus of extra labels they didn't end up using on, you know, at these companies. Um, so, you know, finding the real world part out in the wild is already going to be probably impossible. Getting the label off intact is almost impossible, but, you know, just knowing where they came from and having that reference point is is just really awesome. I I'm torn on that the theory of you know if it came off of something or if it was unused labels uh, for something as thin as the filler plug label. I definitely can see that that was you know a sheet of unused labels for the. Uh, Data Terminal Corporation or Terminal Data Corporation's uh, Blue Bumper label, they're pretty sturdy, hardy labels. Yeah. Have you ever tried to take one of those labels off an old piece of equipment, though? I mean, I will. Okay. They usually don't come off nice and smooth. But they took the label off of the superhero bumper several times and put it back on. Yeah, but... That was on a f- mostly flat surface, and uh, if I recall... Uh, but, it, but it wasn't. But it wasn't like having to pry it off of a rounded surface, either a curved surface. I don't uh, know. On on a curved surface like that, I feel like if you could get a razor blade underneath it or a flat edge, that you would be able to get that label off fairly intact. Maybe not on the filler plug label. Yeah. But I I am on the lookout for for motors right now with that blue label on it because i would i would love to give it a shot <laughs> I, I would i would buy the label and just or buy, buy the motor and just display it i wouldn't i wouldn't risk trying to take it off because my luck i would i would ruin it <laughs> i mean we'll have to find out i'm perfectly one, i'm perfectly first fine one to the motor i you know what I joked about finding an entire pallet of them and they were on route to me, but like, I haven't even looked cause I'm like the moment that news <laughs> is out there. Like I know there's a thousand other people out there also looking and somebody else is going to find it way quicker than I am. There, so. There's at least 200 of us that just updated our permanent eBay search parameters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm perfectly happy using a nice replica. You know, kind of like I talked about in the last episode, you know, if I did have real labels Mm -hmm. uh, that I had to pry off something, I probably wouldn't even risk it. You know, like same with the the Legree elbows. I'm not going to put real ones on my on my hero build just because I I wouldn't trust them. Maybe. I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll have to see. 
Because I do. I understand exactly where you're coming from. I'm just saying, man, it'd be cool to have just a couple of real labels on there. But you're also talking about the, you know, talking to the psychopath that took a real heat sink and painted it. That I don't have a problem with so much. I mean, it's what it's, you know, it's a, it's a sturdy aluminum piece. It's not going to. I caught yeah. some static behind the scenes for that move. <laughs> uh, you didn't preserve the, the serial numbers, so they didn't preserve the real ones. Like, it doesn't like, matter. I know what it is. I, we, yeah, I we, know. Yeah. We know what it's it real. is. You know, I mean, I guess the argument can be made. Well, once it's painted, you can't tell the difference between a replica. So why not just use a replica? But you know that it's a real one. And that's all that matters. Exactly. That's that's the important part. Yeah. Um, other news. It looks like people are receiving their Hasbro Spangler wands without orange tips. Um, there's speculation that there was actually more left over from the initial run of the Hasbro plasma collection spangler wand and that orange tipped versions have not been found and and so many people are breathing a sigh of relief now that they don't have to do an extra five minutes of work to their to their wand Um, It, it still cracks me up that you know everybody's complaining about the orange tip oh my gosh and i'm like but this like a silver tip's not accurate either so no, it doesn't no, really, I not. mean, it doesn't matter either way. Like, yeah, two minutes with a paintbrush or some masking tape and a spray can and it's fixed. It's not a big deal. So I've been uh, goofing off with one of the uh, crappy Target ghost traps that was available this last Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just doing some, some custom painting onto it. Um just having fun, but one of the things I did was I wanted those side panels to look more like aluminum, and so I I didn't I barely even did any prep work. I think I cleaned it, you know, a little bit of soap and water just to make there was no oil from grubby little fingerprints or anything on it. Yeah, and I hit it with rub and buff, um, you know, silver leaf rub and buff and a pad brush. And uh, within 10 minutes, I had something that looked like aluminum and a fumes headache. It was perfect. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sitting here. I know the techniques. The techniques, if I really, really wanted to get into it, is I should have painted it black first. You know, did a primer coat yeah. to really pull out that silver silver leaf. You always want that black coat underneath. But even without that, just this, the the bare gray plastic underneath, it looks like aluminum it's quite pretty so i'm like but even i brought it over the the red you know sidebars that the 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 toy had and i'm just like i'm sitting here i'm like if you have an orange tip on your hasbro wand it is five minutes of work Mm -hmm. it is not that big of a deal and people are positively losing their shit over it i guess probably the most the majority of people I just have an issue with they think it's ridiculous that it's got an orange tip in the first place, like because it's a toy. But like, I mean, you know, there's laws and regulations you got to follow. It's not Hasbro's fault that they, you know, they don't want to get sued. You think Hasbro wants to make anything with an orange tip? No, no. They want to make sure that your kids accidentally get shot playing with their Nerf guns in in, in the front yeah. yard. I mean, that is great for business. Yeah. That too. Anyway, uh, it's just, it's like, just. It's silly. 
it's yeah, it, it's silly. It's just an orange tip, guys. It'll it's just a tip. We'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, prop news, prop news, prop news. I really, you know, it's it's been a kind of a slower week, which is nice. Um, giving us or giving me at least a little bit more time to build. Uh, the Chris Rossi revelation, of course, was super exciting. I am happy. For the people, though, you know, all all cheap shots aside, I'm glad to see that right now people are getting uh, their ideal toy wand from the toy company Hasbro. Um, outside of that, I don't think there's been anything big. Um, it looks like there is a new shipment of uh, bumpers going to the Max Factory website. Yeah, I saw so, that. So that should be pretty exciting for for people who are waiting on ordering bumpers. But of course, I also believe that there's still very nice idealized resin bumpers available over at GB Fans, who I believe also recently restocked on their uh, Sound Blaster card and Cyclotron lights as well. So for people who are looking for um, particular electronics kits, that's a that's a, a a good opportunity to jump on that. Um, do it now for Halloween. Yeah. This do year. it now for Halloween. <laughs> that I mean, he. It, we're not kidding. Like yeah. uh, with the the way the backup stuff is right now. If you are thinking about putting together a proton pack for Halloween, do it now. Granted, most of our listeners um, are definitely already. <laughs> yeah, you know, in the process of building a pack or. Or something like that, but or hey, their, if or their tenth pack, or their tenth pack, yes. But if you're new and and you're just checking it out, and you're you're planning on building a a full size pack, and you figured, hey, why not start here? Um, definitely start ordering your pieces, parts now. Back in well, January, really, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Let's uh, let's talk about some impressive builds first before we talk about our workbench. All right. This reminds me of the time you tried to drill a hole through your head. You remember that? That would have worked if you hadn't stopped no. me. Egan, I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you. you. You've earned it. All right. Welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast. Um, so, Austin, any builds jump out at you in the past week's time? Nope. I have not looked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, it's all you, baby. I, I actually had one that's popped out at me. It's not finished, um, but this is one of those builds I'm actually really happy to see people attaching themselves to. It actually kind of makes sense with, you know, Halloween coming up and things being uh, harder to get, you know, supply chain issues and, and things like that. But you still want to build uh, a beautiful proton pack is um, Mr. Joe Ellingson. And he's over in the Facebook forum, Ghostbusters, How to Build a Proton Pack, is currently still in the process of building his uh, Eva Foam Proton Pack based on the instructions from the Lost Wax YouTube build. Yeah. I'm really happy to see another one of these coming together. I, I got to be honest, I was a little surprised. Um, I thought Lost Wax would release those templates and people would go nuts, and we'd be looking at just this massive influx of Eva foam build proton packs. Yeah, I uh, 
I haven't seen very many of them at all. In fact, no. I didn't even know about this one. I'm looking it up right now, and like that does look amazing just for foam. I mean, it's not even painted, and it's like incredible. It's very pretty. Um, the the lines are are cut very cleanly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I did a lot of zooming and kind of scrutinizing over it because foam is one of those uh, media's that you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, Joe has clearly put a lot of time and love in into his build so far. Now there's yeah. a couple things, and and this isn't even uh you know an issue with Joe's build because he's he's clearly following the instructions pretty much to the key. But he's also installed uh the Ghostbuster fans lights into it, which um the lost wax videos you know they're they're using like glow sticks and just cheap stuff that you can find which which again there's definitely a place for and it's great to build a four pound pack (laughs) for for maybe 20 or 30 bucks Mm -hmm. um but i like that joe has installed that gb fans kit and i'm i'm sure once it's finished it will look even better um i am still i'm a little bummed that he used pvc on some of the pipes um there is one inch outer diameter foam uh rods. Oh yeah. The dowels and stuff, yeah. Yeah. Uh readily available from from even places like Michael's. And uh they're actually pretty rigid. It's not something where you grab them and they twist all over. And uh I was actually a bit surprised that Lost Wax didn't use that in their build instructions over using PVC, but that could have been part of his money saving feature rather than the weight saving feature but or just availability like you know depending on everybody's got access to some kind of pvc pipe somewhere but like maybe not necessarily those foam rods that is true but that that's me really like that's me pulling at straws it's a it's a pretty build even without paint like you had said it's very very clean I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I'll be very excited to see how he finishes it. If he's going to attach a wand to the pack or not, you know, is he using a Hasbro wand? Is he Mm -hmm. going with the lost wax um, build instructions, how that comes out? Um, Definitely a number of questions. This is one of those things where I have the foam to tackle a build like this because come on, let's be honest, a four pound pack we've talked about it before that's a dream of ours <laughs> it's very very appealing it's very very appealing i like would you, you could sit down in it and and still be able to get back up i would i would happily continue to build hyper accurate packs just to hang them on the wall mm-hmm. and have a four pound pack that looks good enough to go on a show floor and you you don't feel bad about bumping into the wall or a part falling off or or you just don't feel bad at the yeah. end of the day, when you peel it off your back, <laughs> it might be a little sweatier. I don't know, but you know, it's... maybe I don't know. So, yeah, I I definitely want to build one of those eventually, especially knowing that like some of the uh, the stunt packs or the the lightweight packs in Afterlife are built using you know that foam, and mm-hmm. uh, it's you know what what was the the company Fingergy? I think something did, like that yeah they did those for uh i think the like original like the og ghostbusters mm-hmm. um but like there's a phoebe pack that's also foam uh which i'm not sure who what prop house built that but you know that's appealing to me from just like a 
an accuracy standpoint, like, well, this version of the proton pack exists in the film. I want to build one of those too. But also, mm-hmm. you know what you're talking about? Like, yeah, I would love to just have a four pound pack that I can climb a ladder with or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and, and not, yeah, not feel bad at the end of the day. My feet aren't going to hurt, you know? Well, and even the possibilities for those fan film makers out there, you know, I'm not a huge oh, yeah. Ghostbusters fan filmmaker, but I know a lot of those guys, the biggest, you know, uh, roadblock that they hit is not being able to afford building the props and mass for a fan film. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get uh, one where it's like, all right, one guy has complete gear mm-hmm. and then another member has like a, a ghost trap and a PKE meter. And the other guy has ecto goggles and uh, a nerf yeah. pistol that's been painted because they couldn't afford to build all those props. Yeah. But with the lost wax stuff, it, it opens it up and it opens it up in a nice way that those fan filmmakers out there can, can put to, put something together that's comfortable and easy for them to work in. And you can do stunts in them. You can, you can fall you, on them. I mean, you can fall. fall on a real one too. I don't know what would take more damage, your back or the pack, but. Uh, I've, I don't know, at this point, probably your back. <laughs> probably, probably. The pack is well, going to, is going to hurt too but it is not as much as not as much as the the medical bills you're going to incur from (laughs) (laughs) dislocating your frame and aluminum motherboard just bending into your spine (laughs) i got scoliosis when i was 40 (laughs) how i just wore a proton pack all the time all the time well joe Great job on your build so far. I'm yes. excited to see where it goes. Again, that's Joe Ellingson. You can check out his build um, as he works it on uh, Ghostbusters, how to build a proton pack, which is a great forum on Facebook.com. Now we're going to talk about what's on our workbench. and I'm super excited for this segment today. What is that thing you're doing? It's technical. It's one of our little toys. The proton pack is not a toy. I guess that's right. Austin! What? What's on your workbench? Uh, I mean, you know, the same stuff, but I did basically finish my afterlife pedal yesterday. Fucking gorgeous. Thank you. Absolutely gorgeous. Um... Between you and and our buddy Mike Kermabon, I don't I don't know if you've ever gotten a chance to meet Mike, but I don't um, I don't think so. No, I think you two would get along really well, and I've known the the both of you for a very long time. He's got a a real good eye for accuracy, and I got to be honest, your build and Mike's build has shown me details on the afterlife pedal that I haven't really been able to see or notice. But now that I go back to our limited frame of reference and compare it, I'm seeing it Um, to the point where I would be more comfortable building one of those now. Whereas before I wasn't, because I could not tell what the fuck was going on. Well, Um, it's, it's crazy that like, once you sort of, what finally pushed me over the edge to to start building it was that I was just staring at some of the reference pictures because I've wanted this thing since I first saw it. Mm-hmm. And finally, it's just like something clicked in my brain and I went, oh, I understand how this is built now. And once that switch flips, I mean, it was still a little difficult. You know, you're trying to work out the kinks and the, and figure out, you know, 
all the sizing and everything, but like it was so much easier just understanding how it goes together for the most mm-hmm. part. Um, and then, you know, I hope that like people seeing Mike's build or my build and seeing, you know, it, it, seeing them clearly and not like blurry in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it, it it will make it less intimidating for other people to jump in and start trying to build their own because it's actually it's a really fun build. Um, you know, it it does require a little bit of uh, fabrication, you know, with aluminum, if that's, you know, the route you want to take. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm sure you like the little bracket that goes over the original vector plate that the new vector plate is mounted to. I'm sure somebody could whip up a 3D file for that. You could 3D print it, and that would be perfectly acceptable. Um, same for the little bracket in the back that the the back foot is attached to. Well, I also believe I would have to look at the website to confirm it, but I believe Send Cut Send offers uh, translation of STL files as well. So mm, 3D print yeah. files. Uh, they can actually put those into their laser cutters, and not only do they do cutting work, they do bending work. Yeah, you, you know, there's a couple of bends in those brackets, obviously. Um, it's not that... I don't have a metal break or anything, so I had to mm-hmm. do it by hand. I just clamped a, a flat piece of a like quarter-inch aluminum, you know, to this, you know, along my mark, and just, I hammered it by hand. Um, it worked. You know, it's not perfect. Um, I think if I... Or when I do another one, I'll probably find somebody with a metal break and do it uh, do it that way because it'll, it'll just give me a little bit nicer of a bend and a cleaner line, cleaner edge. But, I mean, you know, for doing it by hand, I think it turned out really good. Absolutely. I mean, it's it's really, really pretty. Uh, your trap projects, man, are, are giving me inspiration to continue to move forward with the, like, the four or five traps that I have on my workbench. Um, and take on more just because I'm like, that's cool. I want, let yeah. me do that. I want to do that now. <laughs> you know, I definitely want to, I want to build an afterlife trap to go with this pedal now. And then I really want to build like a hero GV one aluminum. Which I, th- that one may take me a little bit to get started on, but I think the, the afterlife one, I might start relatively soon. As soon as I knock out some of these other projects. Always, always envious of people that have the workshop space uh, to to be able to do those kind of scratch builds. Um, as you know, I'm currently um, pending receipt of a aluminum hero Ghostbusters one Ghost Trap from Heimdall's Armory, mm-hmm. um, and that that was a $750 purchase, and I I got that as kind of a hey, I got a new job reward to myself. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't post a ton of progress, uh, but he posts regular progress. So it's not something that I'm getting the heebie-jeebies or anything from that. Uh, but looking at his photos, man, his welds are beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I'm very confident in in uh, his craftsmanship, uh, at least for the ghost trap. I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm excited to see that get that kit in so yeah. that I can go ahead and... and paint it up and and get it all set up and everything like that but then on top of that my my send cut send order should be here today so i'm very jazzed about that which order is that again 
Um, so this is my real Ghostbusters Proton Pack motherboard. Okay. Um, side plates for my Ghostbusters stunt trap. And then uh, the plastic to build the interior cartridge of also same stunt yeah. trap as well as the doors. So I ordered the doors as one piece to kind of use the, the same method you did to score down the center. Cause I like you, I'm seeing where that, that center line is, but I, I don't believe those are two pieces. I don't think you do either. No. I mean, to me, it's very clearly one piece. It's got a line scored and then, mm-hmm. yeah, they just laid down electrical tape over the top of it. Yep. Which that... drives me nuts. <laughs> the tape doesn't uh, even have an indention in it, but whatever, it's fine. Hey, I mean, you barely saw it on it. And of course the new and I are still hunting down accurate knobs for ghostbusters one traps um yeah i mean i just ended up machining just a stand in you know for my build now because i'm tired of like not being able to move forward with it over a knob yeah understandable Um, understandable i i think we have enough information to get a machine run um but we, you and I are still differing on some of the the details of those knobs. I think the the top knob is inlaid, but you think it's uh, protrusion. Um, on the hero version, on the stunt trap, it's definitely recessed. The little black area, yeah, the it's little defi- clover leaf, the clover leaf knob. Yeah, it's definitely recessed on the stunt on the stunt trap. Um, and it, you know, I, I say it's got a little black skirt thing on it. I know you don't necessarily see that, but I've seen, I mean, I bought some knobs that actually have those pieces on them. Sure. Um, so to me, it makes sense that it, you know, it, it's some real knob that's got this little black thing on it, skirt um, on it, which I ended up just taking a, a casting of a GB2 knob and just like, I cut a little like 16th inch disc off of it and drilled a hole in the center and stuck it on the back of. The, hey, the aluminum with, one I did. Go with what works, man. I mean, uh, I don't know. Maybe that's something we could get AJ to do. He did such a nice job of getting those uh, reproduction Ghostbusters 2 knobs for the trap done. Yeah, and those are beautiful. I need to order a few sets of those and just hoard them for future I, builds. Those are those are the little things that AJ makes that I'm always surprised that are still in stock. I don't think people realize how cool those little runs are. Um mm-hmm. You know, his pointer knob with the skirt. Yes. Um what? for for the side of the trap and things like that. Uh where it's like this this is yes, it's a reproduction, but it's also real. It's made exactly how the original would have been made. So it's it's uh it's it's kinda like the heat sink, you know, going mm-hmm. back to, to that is that well, if you extrude aluminum to the exact dimensions of the original heat sink and put those threaded holes at every four corner. Is it is it really a replica, or is it just part of that same thing? Because it's made the same way. It is the same function. It's the same feature. It is for all intents and purposes the same item. It is a just, newly manufactured. Yeah, it's version. just newly manufactured. Yeah. You so know, that, it's GB fans brand instead of Raytheon or whatever. You know. Exactly. It's yeah. It's made by Quick Industries and instead of whoever yes. the fuck made it back in the sixties and seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm moving along on my IDW wand. Been yes, 
and it's really looking amazing. fucking excited about that. Um, I've been having a ton of fun, and I had mentioned this to you in in our ongoing, you know, correspondence chat um, of of how excited I'm. So excited about this that I'm going to share this story again, which is the reflector dish for the top vent <laughs> on the yeah. wall. Um, so the the vents in the comic book are obviously much larger than on a movie wand in the movie wand um i would go with one of the i think it's the um x 177 angle head flashlight you know a standard military angle head yeah. flashlight um i would i pull the cones right out of those i try to get vintage ones um so that are metal, metal. Yeah. yep so that they're metal and then you know you you pop a little bit of super glue on on the disc and you know flick it into the wand and boom there you go looks exactly like what you have on screen for the idw wand those vents are larger and they're longer and the way the wand is set up it it's not terribly conducive for a traditional flashlight cone and so i start thinking to myself okay well you know they have a lot of square flashlights now where where you know they have the those flat leds in them that are hyper bright and i'm like maybe i can find something that will work to those dimensions to be able to drop in there and i've been searching for literally months literally months i'll be on like alibaba ebay um trying to see if there's something that can work for it and i'm still confident that there probably is out there uh but i was uh randomly cleaning my daughter's room and she has of course the playmobil ghostbuster toys mm-hmm. and playmobil when they did their ghostbusters 2 series of toys included these great little uh plexiglass kind of pyramids you know four-sided pyramids and you would set it um small side down onto your phone and you had a little app, and it would show a little ghost on a black background. When you looked at that cone, it looked like a, a ghost hologram. And it was like very little, cool. Yeah, like and a little Pepper's it, ghost effect. Yep, it was a little Pepper's ghost effect right from your phone. Lots of fun. And it just struck me sideways that this is the perfect shape for for what I was looking for as a reflector cone. Um, so I went and I, you know, I have a couple of spares of those those reflector cones and i started trimming it down and trimming it down and trimming it down and i have it now at the perfect trim space in which it fits perfectly over the vent lights on the interior of the gun um i am going to take your recommendation instead of using paint i did order some aluminum tape so that came in yesterday so that's going to be something that i play with today and basically put that aluminum tape on the inside there and create my own custom reflector cone. And it even already has a hole at the bottom of the cone. So it's already oh, yeah. ready for an LED to be mounted inside. Um, and then it, even better is it has the Ghostbusters logo printed on the outside. <laughs> so I can, I'm going to tape over the logo and paint the backside black just so there's no uh, color leak or, or light leak in it and everything. And then put the, the aluminum tape on the inside to make the reflector dish. But I'm like, this thing, this part, this toy has been sitting there 
waiting to be kit bashed into a reflector cone for my one. It just got me so excited about the build. You know, it's really it really is the little things. It is. It is the little things and it's the it's the final steps of kind of starting to get close to finishing that build. Um I finally mounted the the trigger box, which I've been dreading. Mm-hmm. Um because I get so used to the, the trigger box safety being it getting mounted to the instrument panel. So you know exactly where it goes. But again, I'm interpreting a comic book, so it's drawn differently. Um even when they're trying to be fairly consistent, but I, I found a good spot on it. I was able to trim down with a Dremel um, just a little bit of uh, just a spacer, just a nylon spacer um, to give it a little bit more strength in between uh, the trigger box and the gun body. But I do think I'm going to go through and set some screws in between. I I originally set it with uh, the E9000 or is it E6000? E6000. Thank you. E6000. It's got um, Loctite super glue keeping the collar in place, and then the trigger box is actually stuck on with the E6000. And I know it's strong, but when I when I just give it a little bit of ply, it tends to still bend. So yeah. that's, that's not making me entirely confident on the construction. So I probably will go ahead and plunge two screws in between the pieces just so that they are tight better, together. Yeah, better safe than sorry. You don't want yeah. an ion arm situation. <laughs> no, no. Only only douchebags grab trigger boxes. <laughs> yeah, that's that's our new sticker we're going to have made. Yeah, dirtbags grab trigger boxes? Yes. Nobody's going to understand that. Nobody understands it, ion arms. It doesn't matter. We understand it. Yeah. Have you ever like been confused at how people read those stickers? No. <laughs> I've had people like sound them out. Like, not only do they not understand what the slogan is, they don't understand the words <laughs> that, <laughs> that are in the slogan. And, like, I I have it on, like, some of my toolboxes. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, like, they'll, they'll read it and be like, only dirt bags grab ion arms? Like, these aren't hard words. Like you put yeah. them all together, maybe maybe the context <laughs> eludes you. That's fine, but separately, these are not words that should take you that long they, to sound they out. They are all they're all real words that exist and yes. in the dictionary. And like, the, maybe the biggest word right. is two syllables. Like, come on, guys, you got this. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, those stickers are honestly, I think, one of the most inside of inside jokes. I hoard them. I think every time I send you a package, I send you a few more. And I hoard them because yeah. I one day I'm going to have a shop and I'm going to have toolboxes and every toolbox is going to have that fucking sticker on it. <laughs> one on every side. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, it, it amazes me too. I still get people every once in a while will just like randomly message me be like, hey, still rocking that iron arm sticker. And I'm like, sweet, dude. And I guess maybe for some of our listeners that have no idea of the context, um, Halloween 20... 2007, mm-hmm. I think seven or eight, something like that. I would I had made a new ion arm for my proton pack, 
and Scratch built it out of styrene and had just attached it to my pack. And part of this is my fault. I was in a rush to get it done, and I, I didn't make it the most structurally sound thing. I had built a uh, kind of a bridge between the ion arm and the booster tube. Uh, not dissimilar from the one that's on the Afterlife packs now, actually. Mm-hmm. Um and so the ion arm was not actually physically attached to the pack itself. It was only held on through that bridge on the booster tube with the intention of this is good enough for Halloween. You know, it'll be fine for tonight. I'll take it back off. Uh, I was going to resin fill the ion arm <laughs> and then run screws into it, but I just didn't want to risk it, you know, for that night. And so we go out, we're having fun. We go to downtown messing with people um taking pictures with everybody and we go we walk by this bar and of course there's all these drug people outside screaming and hollering and ah ghostbusters hey yeah man you know ghostbusters all right yeah and so this one guy just starts like touching my pack and it's just like oh what's this man you know you know oh yeah the shit that people do and he comes down and he just like grabs the ion arm full force and like pulls on it and just snapped the whole thing off. And he's like, Oh, sorry, man. And I was just like, I'm going to fucking murder you. Oh God. I was so pissed off and it's, it's a, it's an easy fix, whatever. But now I go the rest of the night without a fucking ion arm on my pack. Right. But it's such a universal experience. Yes. It doesn't matter if you're a spirit builder, 3D, traditional, scratch build. Anytime you wear those proton packs out and you're in a crowd with drunk people, there's something about the ion arm that they inevitably decide that that is the part that they should pull the fucking hardest on. Yeah, I like guess with because all it's, their weight. Yeah, it sticks out the farthest and it's got little rods, you know, that I guess they, oh, that's a handle, right? You know, like. Yes, clearly. This thing on my back, I wanted you to pull on it. Yeah. It's so annoying. And so after that experience, um, my friend Ryan, who's one of the uh, members of our group, he decided to have a bunch of stickers made (laughs) that say only dirtbags grab ion arms. And we used to tour around. We used to have a little stage show comedy thing that we did that was like how to start a Ghostbusters franchise. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd go to these different cons and stuff. And, you know, we we were handing them out at the tables and the Ghostbuster guys loved them. Because like you said, it's it's a it's a universal issue. It is. And, you know, when you get it, you get it, you know, and uh, it, it was it was cool to like people were sticking them on their proton packs, like behind the iron arm on the motherboard and, um, you know, on their cars. I think Chase Ambrose had one and like his Ecto forever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was just a cool thing to like see them out in the wild, you know. Like you'd go to Dragon Con, and there'd be people with them on their packs. It's, it oh, was yeah. just, it was fun, you know. And uh, I recently, within the last few years, like found a whole stash of like the long bumper sticker versions, and then the the small square ones. Nice. And so I just like I hoard them, and I'm like, these are these are vintage. I mean, <laughs> so, you know. I've I've had the the idea of doing a total aesthetically custom pack for for years and years and years and years. I don't know when I'll get around to it, but it's one of those, 
hey, I would like to do this, in which the, the whole idea is um, taking the aesthetics of a firefighter's O2 tank, mm-hmm. in which, you know, they get to the point they're scratched up and stickers have peeled off and new stickers have been put on and those have also peeled off. I want to do a proton pack with that kind of look to it. Yeah. And awesome. you, I can guarantee you one of those stickers is going on there. If not two. If not two. Well, and, you know, I think uh, the video game episode, Matt was talking about, you know, oh, you, you know, you probably shouldn't implement a real Jacob's Ladder into the INR, but I'm like, no, you should, and you should turn it on when you walk by drunk people. (laughs) (laughs) That would be amazing. That would be Uh, amazing. Um, You know, so that shocked me. Well, that's what you get. Yeah. You deserve it. Stop touching my INR, you perv. Yeah. Anyway. So that's that's really what's on my workbench. I'm gonna give one last shout out though to to send okay. cut send. I don't I don't know why it hasn't become more popular, especially with the people that are building ghost traps. Um, if you don't have the means or the tools to cut aluminum, <clears throat> you know most of my aluminum I cut with a Dremel. Uh, so I can do, you know, very slight modifications. I go through cutting wheels like they're going out of style. I was just about to ask, do you invest in bulk cutting wheels? Yeah, I do. <laughs> uh. I do, because that is that is how I have to cut all of my metal, is is with a Dremel cutting tool, um, which can be a real pain in the ass. I remember but, those days. They were not fun. No, it, it's not. But to to be able to go to some place and plug in dimensions straight from like Sean Bishop's plans for those side plates of the ghost trap like it's it's literally amazing to me because metal ghost trap plates that used to be one of those elusive runs that everybody would kind of wait around for and then somebody would come up and offer side plates as as an order and you'd order them and now you could just go to Send Cut Send and get all four for like twenty bucks. Yeah, it's nuts. And you know, being able to, like you said, plug in your own dimensions. Yeah, because not everybody's ghost traps are quite the same, the same size. Yeah. So you know, if you did get on one of those old runs, sometimes you had to modify them after mm-hmm. the fact or modify your traps so that they fit, mm-hmm. or you just stuck them on there and you just dealt with the you know the inconsistency. Yeah. Um, but there's still people who are selling for almost the same price point, uh, plastic trap plates. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, let's just go to send cut send. It's an amazing website. Go and have fun with the builder on there. But, uh, today we are talking about the proton pack some more. We're talking about the parts that go on that shell. Last episode, we talked about Greebly's. The episode before that, we talked about shells themselves. We've uh, just talked a good bit about um, ion arms. So I, I, I think we're ready to talk about that. Austin, you ready, bud? I'm ready. Listen. You smell something? There's something very important I forgot to tell you. What? I collect spores, molds, and fungus. Why? <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Black Firehouse podcast with your hosts, Austin Young and Dan Harshman. This is, of course, the part in the program in which I'm going to plug that you can listen to us uh, through Spotify, our RSS feed, or on uh, Apple 
applepodcasts.com. I always want to say iTunes, and I'm sure they plug into each other, but Apple Podcasts is the official platform um, that it gets moved up through. Um, and that is scheduled for every Tuesday morning. And when I remember to send the audio over to Austin, they show up on YouTube, presumably every Friday that his computer tends to work. Uh, you can always, however, join the conversation at Spengler's 1984 Workbench, or you can also like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Today for session uh, 15, we were originally going to talk about proton wands. We're going to move that back one session so we can talk about the additional parts that go onto your proton pack shell. Austin told me that that deserves its own episode. I absolutely agree. I thought he brought up some good points. So, Austin, yes, parts on a proton pack. What? Let's let's start with a, a fun question. What's your favorite part that goes on there? Is it the ion Ooh. arm? I mean, uh, it's a pretty cool little part in and of itself, right? Mm -hmm. It might be. Um, I really also like the power cell injectors. I just think they're cool. Um, uh, I, I hate injectors. I love them. I'm glad. Uh, but yeah, I would say probably the the iron arm. I Definitely. am. Uh, I'm a bumper guy. The bumper is cool too. It I don't is. consider that. Uh, auto, has anybody ever done one out of metal? Yeah. Really? Yeah, uh, a handful of times. There's been uh, there's been some pretty impressive all aluminum builds that have uh, come across Ghostbuster fans, and I believe maybe a build or two in which they just fabricated an aluminum bumper. Oh, I'm getting flashbacks to pictures of like many small pieces of like sheet aluminum being bent and tack welded together into the shape of a bumper. Am mm -hmm. I making that up or nope. is that real? That is real. Okay. Yep. That's okay. real. I'm going to have to I, look and search those out again because I don't know that I've ever seen a finished like all aluminum build. I, I've seen plenty of people start them but I don't know that I've ever seen a finished one. There's one on Ghostbuster fans that if it didn't finish, it came damn close to being finished. Which at that um, point, just finish it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to the point where he had the cosmetic ribs on there and it was practically yeah, ready yeah. for paint. Um, okay. And, and I, I don't have that build in front of me, but all of his parts were, were aluminum. It, it, it's a really, really quite beautiful build because not only was it all aluminum, you know, if you take away the 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 wonk of resin and blah 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 that you and I are are so obsessed over, um, you know, except the fact that it's a super clean build because it's all machined aluminum to fit together. Proportionally, it was it was spot the spot on. It was it's really quite a beautiful pack. Um, you're just yeah, gonna have, have to use look the at the search that. feature on GB fans, which for me just. I go to the whatever the the topic page is, and I just scroll. I, yeah, I, I I love you, AJ, but your search function sucks. It's the first. It would be the first time anybody uses the search feature on GB fans. <laughs> There's also that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody actually uses it to know that it sucks. They just they pretend it sucks. Yeah. Um, so parts that we're really talking about today, uh, we're talking about beamline filler tube injectors, ion arm um in filter bumper 
booster, booster two. and booster frame. Um, booster yeah. plug, I guess, is also on there. And PPD. Uh, yep, the PPD. Cannot forget that one. Um, yeah, the so I, I like that you brought up the PPD for for my IDW pack. Uh, the PPD is very strange. Um, uh, I don't recall what it looks like. It is combined with the beamline tube. Oh. So it almost elbows. The PPD comes down and elbows into the beamline. Um, so I'm excited to go and grab some some PVC to kind of put that together as a, as a custom piece. Um, yeah, you'll have to send me a picture when we're done recording because I really want to see that. I don't yeah. remember that at all. Yeah, I definitely will. Um, but these parts, I mean, these are parts that you and I, uh, for, for the obvious ones, are, are chasing after aluminum. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But are also readily available as resin and then are now something that is is easily 3D printable. Yeah. Which um, I still don't necessarily agree with, but I mean, if you have no other means. And, and that was and, something, yeah. You know, I would say that learning to clean up a print that's rounded or curved uh, and making it look smooth is a, is a skill that's worth having. Yes. Um, so, you know, while I don't necessarily agree that, you know, you should go and print out a, a two inch tube when you can buy a two inch PVC pipe, uh, if that's what you have to do, that's great. That's fine. Uh, but the cleanup process is definitely a skill that comes in handy. I think if you can, if you can master it and, and really make that thing look nice and smooth, um, I would think just about any other 3d print would be a, a walk in the park after that. Well, flat, we had, flat surfaces and everything. We had talked about it before, and some of the justification that we got feedback from listeners um, was that, you know, PVC pipes that are available in America just simply aren't available overseas. Yeah. Which, Which I was not aware of because right. I'm just a dumb American who thinks that everything, everybody's got a Walmart and a Home Depot, right? Yeah, of course. Um, but I thought that was an interesting point because it was like you, it was something that I had never thought of. I also yeah. thought, well, why not just order it online? Um, but then of course, you know, you got to take into consideration shipping tax customs, oh, the time yeah. involved in it. I know, uh, most people <laughs> in this hobby are very impatient. Yes. Um, <laughs> including I, me. I still maintain though, it's something that it's worth ordering something that is already round because the, the finishing on 3d prints can range from something easy. Like uh, I know Ben Eady shared this and I think it was something that he got from tested. It was then shared by uh, another friend to me directly. Um, actually it was Mark, Mark Cabelli uh, shared it with me um, in a, a, I don't know if it's new, but an interesting way to to finish off 3D parts, which is mixing your Bondo with uh, acetone. Yeah, um, specifically glazing putty. Yeah, yeah, specifically the glazing putty. Mixing it with acetone, um, and then it essentially evaporates, leaving uh, the bonding putty on there for for an easy way of applying and filling in fill lines but man every single pipe that i've seen 3d printed tends to look like it just jumped out of minecraft yeah 
I, I always used to compare it to uh, it's like if the Ghostbusters at the Proton Pack was an option in uh, Goldeneye on N64. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh... you know, like it, I, I've seen some people that, you know, they print it out and they don't do any. They print it in black and they stick it all together. They don't care about cleaning up the lines. And I'm like, again, if that's your thing, you're happy with it. More power to you. That's great. But it drives me nuts. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to smooth out a surface that's rounded or curved, you know, and, and to make it look perfectly smooth. It's, you know, it is. It, it can be done. It takes a little bit of effort. Um, I'm just, I think, to the point where I'm lazy. And it's like, if I know I can go and buy something that's already the shape I need and it's already smooth and I just have to cut it at an angle or cut it to length. I'm going to do that. I've, um, I've gone out I, of my gonna, way to buy resin cast filler tubes. Cause I didn't want to build one. See, I've never gotten to that point. I will scratch build <laughs> filler tubes and things from PVC pipe. I, it doesn't bother me to have to like make a cap and put it on it. I guess because it's just, I'm so used to scratch building other stuff that it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But and this is probably something I guess we can, you know, I don't know if this is a something we're going to talk about immediately, but like trying to do fake welds. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the issue you run into when you start scratch building these parts. If it's got a weld on it, you know. So let's having let's talk about vendors first. And then, yeah, yeah. I want to talk about fake welds. Because everybody. Yeah. Everybody sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy thing to, to pull off realistically. Well, I, I think it's easier than people think it is. I just don't think that people are putting in the correct thought process for it. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll, we'll start at the top of the quality level. Uh, your go-to for aluminum parts that would go on a shell? Um, I guess... If if I'm buying from a vendor, probably GB fans, just because, yeah, there's a lead time usually, but, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the other vendors that I'm aware of that do aluminum parts, you know, they do runs and they're really sparse when they do them. And, you know, uh, you really honestly never know exactly what kind of timetable or turnaround you're looking at. Sure. Um, and yeah, it's understandable. I mean, you've got you know, people have lives and, and, you know, it's just one of these things they do in their spare time. But like GB fans, you know, usually will get them to you within a couple of months. Right. Um, pending, you know, Halloween orders and things like that. But, um, and like the, uh, the Phoebe pack I'm building, you know, I got an ion arm from AJ and, uh, it's beautiful. I mean, the craftsmanship is amazing. I, I know AJ's not doing them himself. Um, no, GB fans is interesting. AJ, uh, being the consummate businessman he is, um, contract for for some of those more custom parts actually contracts out to other vendors, and it is yeah. possible to order directly from those vendors as well. And I believe uh, AJ works with heavy props for his mm -hmm. aluminum parts and for yeah. his resin cast parts. Yeah, I mean, and they're beautiful. I mean, you know, so they're and gorgeous. I specifically requested, you know, no mounting holes for anything because I wanted to make sure I could position the, uh, the resistors exactly where I wanted them and all that mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, not an issue, you know, for him to, to leave those off. So, 
um, small little requests like that, I'm sure, aren't a big issue. Um, no. Now, if you if you're getting into wanting to request specific welds, I think that's a whole other <laughs> a I whole think other problem. Realistically, the the most you should be requesting as far as welds go is what direction it goes in. Yeah. Um. Now. AJ, uh, GhostbustersFans.com offers not only aluminum parts, but also resin casts of those aluminum parts and are very, very crisp, very beautiful yeah. castings. Um, you know, once they're painted, you won't be able to tell the difference between what's aluminum and what's resin. Um, you know, yeah. me, I'm, I'm, I'm still toting that freaky geeky flag i'm not sure how much longer rj is going to be offering parts i'm getting that real sense of maker burnout from him yeah yeah definitely um i know he will finish them and, and i'm i'm confident in him rj i'm always rooting for you bud i don't think you listen to us but uh always rooting for rj i just he has a new baby mm-hmm. and you know, there's there's more important things than supplying nerds with quality parts. But if, yeah. if if everything was available all the time, I would always go to Freaky Geeky first. Um, you know, I do have a few little problems with some of the GB fans aluminum parts. I think some of the welds are just a bit too bulky. Yeah, I mean, and all you know, I've never welded. Sure. So I don't know the how much control you really have over that i'm sure you can i mean there's got to be some control out of it because rj his welds come out perfect okay every every time i see it they're they're the exact they're right where i want them they are i feel as screen accurate as you can get without Mm -hmm. yanking the parts off of the the screen use packs um and then i know (laughs) <laughs> then you have Max Factory, of course, who who is, uh, you know, an up and coming, I would say, juggernaut as far as parts go. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only one with with a Sony license. Yeah. So he is he is the official Ghostbusters prop supplier. And uh, and he's got parts that are cast from the superhero aluminum parts that are coming out. And he always offers those as, as legacy parts. Um, yeah, which, you know, we've talked about it in previous episodes, but that's a really amazing offering to be able to, to have those, you know, direct from the source. I, uh, yeah, it, it's an amazing opportunity to have it direct to the source, especially because you can essentially put together a museum grade replica of the superhero pack just using the legacy parts from from Aaron Mack um and and piecemeal it which is great yeah. um and then proton props also mm-hmm. offers resin parts kits yeah and those are i believe cast off of uh real aluminum parts too so they look like it um, they're, I was looking around on their website the other day at some of their stuff and I mean, all their, all their parts just look beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're cast in black too, I believe. Right. They are, which I yeah. think is that's, that's what uh max factory is doing as well. I think that's a great way for a lot of these builders or vendors, I should say to, to offer their parts as they're casting them in black, which is 
very forgiving if you're a first time pack builder. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would say I have some of the same issues with the proton props, uh, fake welds. Well, their castings, I should say. Uh, their their castings, the welds from the parts that they cast from again aren't completely hitting the mark of where I think they should be for the the proton pack. Um. Well, and you know, I would rather have a weld that's you know a fake uh, weld on a resin cast part that's a little too chunky versus uh, anything done by hand. <laughs> even even if you're a master at it, it, it's just you can't beat a real weld or you know a resin casting of a real weld because no matter what method you use, it's never going to look right. You know, you can get close, but who did, uh, who did that UV resin weld? Oh, do you remember, I don't seeing remember his that? name? His, uh, I know it was like Facebook and Instagram stuff. I believe it's just props and replicas. Uh-huh. I think, um, I think you're they right. are, he's building an amazing Ghostbusters two pack. I mean, it is, gorgeous i mean and his fake welds his fake welds were incredible yeah i i forgot about that method that that's really close that is by far the best method i've seen um and i'm sure but you know that that method takes a lot of practice but it does uh, so the the method that we're talking about for our listeners is essentially using a a uv cured resin um, and what this maker did is he would put a small dab or disc down of this resin, dry it with a UV light, and then put another plotch down and would continue that process and would build out his weld one little dab at a time. Very, very time consuming. But the results were astronomical. Um yeah. I mean, gorgeous. Once it's painted, it, it's you're really hard pressed to tell a difference. Now, uh, a quicker method that I'm a big fan of that I think comes out with uh, not equally as good results, but also very good results, is um, the 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 putty, the epoxy putty. Oh. Yeah. So if you take epoxy putty and you have your two-part epoxy putty, it comes in that stick and and you cut off what you need and you roll it into a ball, you get it all into one color, and then you get to you get to keep play-doing with it and you roll it into almost like an even piece of spaghetti or a snake. Um mm-hmm. and you can you wrap it around the part that that is supposed to have that weld, where that weld is, and then you you know make sure it meets up where it needs to meet up and get rid of the excess and do a very small push down with your fingers. But then you go back with the end of a straw or a a chopstick is another Mm -hmm. good way to do it. Um, And then you just press that chopstick in or that pen or that straw. And if you're very, very uh, diligent and very careful with it, that comes off with some also very impressive fake welds. Yeah, I, I, I'm I, not personally a fan of that method because I've never got it to 
to work well for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have seen people, you know, pull off really good results with it. Um, still not perfect, but I mean, nothing really is. Um, what's the I've worst? I've seen. I've also. What, what's the worst one? Hot glue. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's not. I I totally get the hot glue thing. I mean, my first two packs I did, man, I used hot glue for the fake welds. Of course yeah. I did. Yeah. Um, it, to me, I think it's it's a rite of passage. Like when you build a pack, you have to at some point do hot glue welds. That's just part of it, right? But as you evolve as a builder and and hone your skills, you know, I think it it's something that should be left behind. Um, and I again, I totally get it. I I understand the reasoning behind it. The problem I have with it is that you it doesn't look like a weld. No. Um you know, when you lay down a weld, you're you're doing essentially what you know, like with the UV resin, you're you're laying down the it's basically piping on icing. Mm-hmm. Kind of, which is the method that I personally do. I I get this product called uh plastic metal. Bondo makes it. Um it's kind of like this filler that's got like aluminum powder mixed in. Um, so when it when it cures, it's kind of a dark gray color. But it if it gets scratched, it kind of has a metallic sheen to it. Mm-hmm. You can sand it; it's really durable. Um, other companies make their own version of it. Devcon's got a version. I don't, I don't remember what it's called off the top of my head. But you've got a decent working time with it. And I just squirt it into the corner of like a little Ziploc bag and cut the corner off, and I will pipe it on like cake icing. Okay. Um, it's again, it's not perfect, but for me, once I figured out the method and I kind of, you kind of get that muscle memory going of like how to pipe it down and, and you, you figure out what method works for you, you can get it really close. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, if you've got any spots that are kind of messed up or they have little, like they're too sharp or whatever, you can sand it down. Um, and I personally think it looks really good. Um, it's the method that I've been using for a long time. Um, but the the once that UV resin thing came out, that blew my mind. And I totally want to try that at some point. Yeah. Um, but, you know, hot, I mean, hot glue is easy. It's cheap. It's readily available. Anybody can use a hot glue gun. I get it. I just... I feel like if you're going to use hot glue, you have to lay down a little a little bead and then mm-hmm. let it set and cure and then lay down another one mm-hmm. and do that over and over and over because you want that, you know, uh, people often refer to it as the, the stack of dimes mm-hmm. look, you know, um, and that's what you want with a fake weld. That's what makes a good looking fake weld, not just a blob, a thing that looks blobby. You know, I, I know the, the welds on the proton packs are not pretty they're pretty sloppy but they're st- they still look like welds right well because they are yeah <laughs> and if you're happy with hot glue that's great i just i again i want to see more people challenge themselves and and at least try mm-hmm. to up their game a little bit you know sure i i don't think that's unreasonable now there is hot glue on on uh some of the the hero packs yeah 
hot glue or um i've even seen people think that it might be like some kind of caulking or something i, I would lean towards hot glue um i've also yeah. heard that it's uh it's maybe epoxy glue yeah um but just the i don't know i i think it seems more consistent with hot glue in its uh application and it's to to cover up a a space in between the booster tube and the eda yeah and i guess my only thing that i feel like it might not be hot glue is that i've used hot glue on aluminum before Mm-hmm. And it it doesn't stick very well. <laughs> well, I don't think it's sticking to the aluminum. I think it's sticking to the the EDA. Um, because I I use well, that yeah, that's true. When when I put the aluminum parts onto my Bosch shell, I ended up with a space at the at the bottom of the booster tube where the EDA met, and I was <laughs> I was like, oh, that's really ugly. And then I went and looked back at the reference, and I saw, oh, they they seem to have also had that issue and i don't yeah. know if that issue is because of them taking parts on and off during you know between ghostbusters one and ghostbusters two i don't know if that's how that pack always has been i'm you know at first i i did put that space on there but now that i've torn those parts off i'm i'm hoping that i'll end up with a, a bit of a more flush fit on yeah. on the next shell and i'll probably not do that mm-hmm. um well it's an interesting detail because is it present on all four or all five packs in the first movie or is it only on like the superhero and uh i want to say the spangler i know i think had evidence of it or something i don't think it's present on all of them i think uh just like you said i'm pretty sure it's only on the spangler and uh I do have saved photos of the Venkman hero. I know it's not on the afterlife pack. Those are remarkably crisp. Um, yeah. Even the, there's no fake welds on the ion arm on the afterlife pack. Yeah. Or the, the infilter. Um, in fact, most of the welds get ground off except for the, power cell injectors and the hga for whatever reason everything mm-hmm. else it's got uh pretty sharp edges which i didn't like at first but the more i become accustomed to it the more i kind of like it mm-hmm. uh just because again it's another one of those unique quirks to those packs specifically that make them stand out from the others mm-hmm. um so i I'm... don't know if it's an in-universe thing, like, oh, he ground the wells down. I don't see that happening. I, I would be curious to know the the reason behind it. Like, why would you grind the welds off? Right. Um, if they're clearly there on the originals, why did you not have them on these? So if anybody out there knows anybody that worked on these things, hit us up. I want that answer. So I'm looking at the pictures of the Venkman hero. And there is nothing in between the EDA and the booster tube, but there is evidence that there used to be something there. Yeah, there's a bunch of scratches, aren't there, where it looks like they've there's, tried to pry it or something off? There's, uh, there's scratches, yep, and then there's okay. discoloration that would be, I would say, would be more consistent with peeling hot glue away. Well, and I, you know, I just said that, oh, I don't think it's hot glue, but hot glue would be a lot easier to peel away and and 
it would be clean mm-hmm. underneath. It wouldn't it wouldn't have you know like if it were silicone or something, it would be a bitch to get off of that shell, especially. Yeah, it so. it looks like underneath it wasn't necessarily clean. I mean, if we're talking very old props here, um, yeah. but I that's just my belief. We could be both wrong again. I mean, we stress that so yeah, I mean, much on this show that I mean, like you and I, our, our knowledge of the proton pack, I I would uh, would posit to brag is pretty extensive, but there's still so much we don't fucking know. Yeah, well, I guess. My whole thing with that is is the what is it is it a, is it just to fill the gap or is it supposed to be mimicking a weld? I think it would just to be to fill the gap. Okay. Um, and I think that's why during whatever process of removing those pieces and putting them back on, uh, the Venkman especially, they didn't just go ahead and put it back on there because they probably realized that nobody saw that shit on screen little did they know all these years later <laughs> two guys would start a podcast and argue about is it hot glue or silicone exactly exactly i mean yeah i mean yeah. there's enough residue that i mean it could possibly be silicone i just the application of silicone i don't feel comes out with that weird smooth surface that yeah. hot glue does yeah, probably hot glue or epoxy then. Yeah. Um, and then all that to say, it's a really weird detail. If you want to add it, sweet. If not, both are technically accurate. Very true. Um, bumper is definitely my favorite. Um, I had lucked in and gotten uh, what was reported to me from sources that I would believe is a, a screen used bumper casting. Um, and I have two of those castings and I absolutely love them. And then though, Max factory comes out with his legacy castings, which are cast off the superhero. And they're even better. They have, uh, the actual, there's a bend in the superhero bumper. Um, and that has, that's, that's in the max factory legacy casting. So the, the bumper doesn't sit exactly straight. Um, yeah. And I love that for me, at least because that works perfect for the pack that I'm building for people that are building the other packs that, that might kind of come off as kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. It's definitely one of those like unique quirks to a specific pack that mm-hmm. if that's what you're after, wonderful. Right. It's great that, we've got access to that but you know if you're trying to actually put it on straight like it's supposed to be right uh i wouldn't go with a legacy bumper i'd go with the idealized one yeah and uh for the idealized one i i'm torn i love aj's resin works it's so clean it's so so clean i have i have one of his resin bumpers as well um and it's a beautiful piece i you know my my quality of resin I used to always track as being, are you as good as Nicotron or as bad as Multimedia Mayhem? <laughs> and, I, you know, I mean, uh, well, you know, back in the day, uh, all the finishing used to be on your hands. So you yeah. expected to get parts that would have air bubbles in it and flashing mm-hmm. And all kinds of things like that. And you'd be the one expected to, to sand everything out. 
to fill in air bubbles, all those kinds of things. But I guess there was a shift in mentality at some point where, where we as consumers, we were like, we want our resin shit to be ready for paint when it gets to us. Well, and look, I hate making molds. It sucks. It's such a pain in the ass. I get it, but it's really not that much more effort to take the steps necessary to have a really nice clean pull out mm-hmm. of your mold. You know, I know a lot of people make molds like of the bumper and they won't put vents in it to vent excess resin, you know, and to get those air bubbles to come out. And that's, you know, so many bumpers you get and there's air bubbles in, in the ends of it, right? Those mm-hmm. back pieces. Yep. If you just put some vents back there, most of that's eliminated. I mean, you're still going to get some trapped air bubbles, and you know, especially on the back surface of the little square piece of the center. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's unavoidable unless you're using like a really, if you've got a huge pressure pot, you know, to push those air bubbles out. But I mean, you know, just something as simple as putting in a few vents can make a world of difference in the quality of the final pull, you know, and it's just that that much less work on your customer that they have to fit you know and thankfully most of the air bubbles they are on the back side so if you don't want to fill them it's not that big a deal because you're not going to see it once it's installed mm-hmm. um you know but just taking the time if you're doing a two-piece mold to to make sure those little your clay bed is nice and like the the separation line is a nice and smooth and I apologize if you just heard that extremely loud truck drive by, <laughs> uh, you know, nice and straight and, you know, just taking the time and the effort to try and eliminate those seam lines as best as you can. I mean, you're already putting all that work into, to make a two part mold and, and to clay it up and, and everything. An extra 10 minutes is not going to hurt, you know? Right. But that said, yeah, making molds sucks, so I totally get why people don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I do, but I, I am loving the amount of uh, of how much or how close a lot of these resin parts are coming. You know, we touched on that earlier in the yeah. episode. Max Factory and Proton Props are offering their resin parts in black. Um, yeah. And Max Factory has done a, a tremendous amount of work to color match their black resin to the black gel coat on the pack. Um, is it is it perfect? No, but it's, no. it's damn close that if you just yeah. wanted to start throwing shit together the moment that you got it and not paint anything, that that you could. And I mm-hmm. think that's really, really cool, especially for the, the folks who might be a little intimidated by, by painting things. Um, or, or even people like I know, I know so many people that like live in apartments and they don't have a space that they can go out and paint. You yes, know? they, they do. have a little balcony or something. Hey, you know where I painted when I built my first back in 2009? Because I, I lived in an apartment. I painted in my dining room. Well, I mean, that explains a lot. Uh, the the brain keys. damage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it explains a lot. <laughs> it, it does. I'm just saying, you know, I feel like that's a different episode. We got to do an episode about workspaces and talk about limitations of workspaces, but also the mental limitations that people believe workspaces come. Like I, I talk about it sometimes 
where I say, man, I wish I had a workshop and I don't, Mm -hmm. and I, and I do wish I had a workshop, but even though I don't have a workshop, there are certain things I may not be able to do, but most of the stuff I can. And well, and I, I'm also not making excuses for people. I'm just saying that a lot of people don't feel comfortable trying to attempt to paint and things in their apartment or on their little cramped balcony or whatever. So now, man, like, you gotta, buddy, for... you got to get like American Psycho and put the tarps down. Dude, well, like Fernando, you know, he, they live in an apartment, and mm-hmm. but man, he takes, he's got a folding table. Yep. He takes that bad boy outside yep. in the parking lot. And I'm like, yeah, man, you get out there, you do it, you get it. You know? Absolutely. And he stands out there. And, you know, again, there's options, but I understand why some people aren't comfortable trying to do stuff like that or don't even, they don't think of things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, having the opportunity to just pull it out of the box and stick it on your shell go is great for, is. you know, for that kind of thing. Now, the other thing I'll mention is um I prefer the easeability of putting resin parts onto a pack than aluminum. Yes. Resin parts are great cuz generally they're cast in solid resin which means mm-hmm. you pick a point in which it's going to be, you drive a hole through it that's just mm-hmm. a little bit smaller than your hardware, and then you drive a bolt in it, and you're done. <laughs> People probably think I'm crazy, but like my favorite thing to use was uh, like drywall screws to attach resin yeah, parts. That's it. Because they, they grip so good in the mm-hmm. resin. With that, with that wide tooth on, uh, on the screw, mm-hmm. absolutely absolutely um with aluminum parts if you're if if you have an aluminum part that doesn't have holes on it you're still kind of in the same situation in which you can drill it out tap it you're good to go um but man if you get an aluminum part that's pre-drilled and pre-tapped you you don't want to try doing that because if you get too close to an existing hole or something like that you're in for a world of hate yeah, and I mean, I've been fabricating all the aluminum parts on this Phoebe pack, and dude, I felt like I spent a year of my life drilling and tapping holes. Mm-hmm. And you don't think there's that many. No. You, you, but once you start doing it, it's like, this is my life now. <laughs> I well, drill and I tap. I, 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 you look at uh, the Max Factory shells and uh, the Proton Prop shells, and they have the the pre-drilled indentations the 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 holes aren't completely drilled through it's just just it's like a little guide yeah and and i and i love that they're including that um because that way everything tends to be centered um Mm -hmm. which is which is really really nice but then you have other ones where there's nothing there and i'm constantly getting shit off center which is a pain in the ass or I'll get um when I when I first put my ion arm onto my Chris Boss shell, RJ had four mounting points on the ion arm. Yeah. And it was in the four corners. And luckily I was able to make a very successful template out of it. But it was still a gigantic pain in the ass. Yeah, I mean 
that is one of the downsides to the like you said the pre-drilled holes and stuff is that you have to you have to be spot on with your holes that you drill in the shell to mount them. Yeah. Whereas if you get them without those holes, it's so much easier to drill it into your shell, drill the holes in your shell, and then hold your aluminum piece up and then you know get you a marker and mark where your holes are supposed to be. Um. You know the. Uh, Speaking of like making templates, you know, that's so important if you do have those parts that are already pre-drilled and tapped. Um, there's a lot of ways to go about making a template. Mm-hmm. Um, I myself have, you know, taken the calipers and measured and, and hand-drawn templates. It's, you know, I mean, it's a lot of time and effort. And then I don't remember where I saw it. But some asshole was just like, oh, yeah, just photocopy the backsides of your. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's so simple. Yeah. Yeah. I I saw that, too. I was like, I was that son of a gun. I was like, oh, yeah, it's, no. My, it's been staring me in the face this whole time. My iron arm template is made out of a piece of styrene plastic that was like carefully measured out and like has indicators of what side is supposed to go where, what's front, what's mm-hmm. back. And that's luckily I held on to it. Um, well, see, the problem too is though, is that not every two are going to be identical. They're going to no. be off just slightly. So you basically have to have a template for every piece. You well, For every you piece. Use. Sure. But I'm saying I'm glad I held on to it because I did take the iron arm off of one shell and it's going on to another one. So I already yes. have that template made, yeah. which I am very, very thankful for. Um, yeah. And then I, I, I see from looking at a lot of the progress photos for the Max Factory stuff um, is his resin parts have pre-drilled and pre-threaded holes on his mm-hmm. resin stuff. Um, so definitely something for builders to look out for that if you're not using Max Factory parts on a Max Factory shell, that some of those guide holes may not line up. Yeah, it's like a blessing and a curse because, you know, if you're using all the same parts from the same same maker or whatever, mm-hmm. that's fine. But like if you're mixing and matching stuff, yeah, it, they're not always going to fit uh exactly as intended with the pre-drilled holes or whatever so just always dry fit dry fit dry fit Mm -hmm. you know what's the old adjective measure twice cut once yes dry fit a hundred times drill once you know exactly otherwise i can't you know how many times i've drilled holes wrong and had to fill them and just it's such a pain in the ass to fill Mm -hmm. holes it sucks. It well, just sucks. So and then you have other parts. Fit. You have other parts that are easy peasy. Choose who you yeah. like best for your beam line and filler tube. Mm-hmm. Like whoever. <laughs> unless unless you're using an HMS shell, because for whatever reason that gap on that shell is like tiny. <laughs> is it? Oh my god! The uh, the first Phoebe pack I built was using su- the shell. I, it was a mystery shell that a friend of mine had that he's like, Hey, I know you need a shell quick. I've got this one that I got on eBay or whatever. However many years ago, if you want it, you're welcome to it. And I was like, yes, I just need something, you know? And, uh, 
I want to say I'm using like three quarter inch PVC pipe oh my or something like ridiculously small because that's all that would fit. Um, which it doesn't really look that bad, you know, once it's all finished and everything, but mm-hmm. the, uh, the space in that, that area in there is tiny. And I don't know if it's filler to, or for the beam line, beam line and filler tube, like especially the beam line. Yeah. If anything bigger than whatever I'm using is, it just doesn't fit. I like, uh, the, the beam line and filler on my Oh nine pack. They were, uh, one of the first set of aluminum parts and Tim hook made them for me. Yes. They're chonky, but they're, they're beautiful, beautiful. but it matches the rest of the pack. Cause there's a lot of parts yeah. on that pack that are chonkier than they should have been. Mm-hmm. You know, the fins are, are far too big. So I like my, uh, my Tim hook original chonky parts. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the thing that, I think a lot of people don't realize, and I think this is a good thing to bring up, you know, in terms of using like PVC pipe for some of these parts is a lot of the aluminum tubing that's used is, I can't remember the, like the, the power cell injectors are what, like inch and a half Mm -hmm. outside diameter, Mm -hmm. which you can't, as far as I'm aware, there's no like PVC or anything, ABS pipe, nothing that comes in that, that outside diameter. Um, so using the one inch PVC, which I believe is inch and a quarter outside diameter mm-hmm. is, you know, as close as you're going to get, it doesn't look bad when it's assembled and it's, it's installed in the pack. It doesn't look off or anything. Um, the, the piping is a weird thing on the pack that you can be off fractionally mm-hmm. and visually it's a hard spot. Yeah. Well, like the one thing I did know or notice uh, when making this new VB pack is the uh, the two inch aluminum tube for the booster tube. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the exact same outside diameter as two inch PVC pipe, which I thought two inch PVC pipe was actually a little bit smaller outside diameter, but they are identical. So mm-hmm. that's one instance where you can get like totally accurate measurements just using PVC. Oh, there you go. That's, I mean, that's good to know, though. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, again, it's not that big of a deal if it's off fractionally, like you said. It doesn't make that much of a difference once it's all said and done. Mm -hmm. But, like, you know, some people care about that stuff. If you're out there and you can find inch and a half outside diameter PVC or ABS tubing or something, uh, hit us up because I want to get some for future builds. And I do see again, uh, Proton Props offers that black PVC tube, and so does GB Fans in their resin parts kit. And uh, and then Ben of Kent, I think, now offers their parts as resin. On their 80% mm-hmm. scale, I thought a lot of the parts were resin, and they ended up being actually 3D printed. Um, so yeah. I, I have to give the, the kudos for the calibration on that printer because it had me fooled at first until I drilled mm-hmm. into it and, you know, all the plastic string you kind of came out. Um, if you're if you're printing your own parts, of course, my my recommendation there would be for the 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 Q plans. Yeah, for sure. Which I believe he still offers that stuff out for free, which I think is excellent. 
Um, mm-hmm. I don't think there should be any assumption within the community that somebody who designs an STL is going to offer out their STLs for free. Yeah. I think that's a, a horrible way of looking at it. I know a few of the, the 3D prop guys. Um, I think Shapeforge has been stung by people grabbing their 3D files and then immediately offering things for sale. Yeah, it's such a it's such a shitty thing. It like, is. You can't you can't really stop anybody. You know, even if they buy your file, they can still turn around and sell prints using it, you know, mm. without your permission. And the most you can do is just like say, "Hey, stop that." But like they won't. <laughs> you know. They won't. <laughs> they won't. You know. They'll, "Oh yeah, I'll stop that." And they'll just start a new account. Yeah. You know, under another name or something or at, at the least, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, the 3D files that uh, that are out there, you know, they vary in quality so Highly. much. Um, so, you know, that's definitely something to just kind of do your research and mm-hmm. compare measurements and, and, you know, just pull up a few reference pictures. If only there was some to, kind of to... library of reference photos. Right? Yeah. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. If only, if only Facebook would uh, fix their issues, so I can open the albums on my mobile. I, I've been able. I've been able to get back in there. Are you still having trouble? Yeah. In fact, the other day, I had I messaged Stuart and I was like, "Hey, can you send me a particular picture? Because I can't open the albums. Because <laughs> I tried. I tried your workaround. Re- you know, you search yeah. the albums, yeah. and it worked. I was like, "Oh, great!" But as soon as I click on the thumbnail, the full size image doesn't load. Oh my gosh. So I sent him a screen grab of like the thumbnails and I circled. I was like, I need this picture of the bottom of the trap pedal, please. <laughs> and bless his heart, he sent it right over. So thank you, Stuart. Uh, he's for, he's amazing. For helping me out. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Stuart is a huge, huge help. I, I You know, I got to give a, a special kudos to, to people like Stuart and, and people like Quentin that are doing this hard work for free. You know, whether it be designing STL files and releasing them and just wiping their hands with, you know, a a come what may kind of attitude. Like, you know, you should be compensated for your work. Yeah, Um, I mean, if I were if I were going to print a Q pack and I hadn't already purchased the plans, I thoroughly believe that I should pay for them. Mm-hmm. And there, yeah. there's so many people that are like, no, it should be for free. I'm like, well, you're just acting like a spoiled Ghostbusters fan. I mean, the information should be free. The the measurements. And well, that they sort of are thing. free. Like, They're already out there. Yeah, but the file that somebody created so yeah. that you can pull it up on your computer and hit print, you know, shouldn't be free. Somebody spent their time to do that. And, you know. Well, you get the people now, they're like, oh, well, uh, Stefan's plans are out of date. Well, yeah, they are, but you can still model it as an STL and fix what needs to be fixed. Yeah. Or if you're scratch building, you just, you know, you fix it are we, in that process. Are we at that point where we're waving our canes at kids on the lawn? Yeah, huh. for sure. Excellent. 100%. That's great. I love Excellent. it. Excellent. <laughs> I, uh, I like um, not prop related. But of course, you shared uh, we sh- we shared the photos of those really awesome Black Firehouse podcast figurines. Yes, that I got a 
bunch of them commissioned from Tony Taylor Toys, and he does incredible work. Um, yes, he does. You know, he's done, uh, I think it's the Crypt Keeper Toys in partnership with Yes Have Some, and I think he has, also does some other toys with uh, Baducci Studios. And, um, but he, he's just, he's an awesome guy to work with. I love his work, his finish, his quality, everything. Um, but I went on to his site, his Facebook once, and there were still people, hey, you're going to release the STL of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, here's this man. No. Who has recently opened his own toy store up in Ohio? So congratulations again to you, Tony. I don't know yes, if you listen. Congratulations, but you you deserve. He does. He does. I'm pretty sure he does. If he doesn't, I'll make him. But yeah. he deserves all the success in the world for what a nice person he is. But yeah. still, to to go to one of the nicest people, talented artist, uh, you know, and his figurines are 3D printed, and mm-hmm. and when you handle them you would be surprised to, to, to know that they're 3D printed because they don't feel that way. They feel like they're almost resin or injection molded, something like that. Mm-hmm. And to be like, hey, when are you going to release this for free so I can print <laughs> your your toy out for free? In a, in a subpar quality. In a subpar quality with, you know. <laughs> and, and then complain that it doesn't look like the ones you sell. Yeah, I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> the, the best Ghostbusters quote ever. It's, it's that horse carriage guy. What an asshole. <laughs> what an asshole. Uh, oh, so good. Yeah, it's uh, just, you know, throw a few bucks yeah. towards the people that, you know, do this stuff. Yeah. Like, we should probably both send Stuart, like, $700 a piece. Uh, probably. probably. <laughs> For the amount of times that I, I mean, like, you know how you can go on Instagram and like look up your your usage of the app and it'll tell you how long you've been on the app and yes, what times of the day and all that. If you if there was one of those like analytics or statistics just for the reference library, I would be terrified to know what the results are for my usage of that. Oh gosh, of that page. <laughs> I know I'm on there. I was uh, I was on there. Just last night. I mean, anytime, anytime I need to double check and I've gotten into the habit now where I am checking things like two or three times before I commit to, to drilling something out or placing something. Um, yeah. You know, the big thing I use it is sticker placement, sticker placement. Um, you know, something as simple as like the screw placement on uh, like the ghost traps mm-hmm. like the the side plates and stuff like it's different for all of them it is and so you, you gotta like quadruple check that okay i'm looking at the right trap for the one i'm building oh, traps know? are don't <laughs> don't get me started on am i looking at the right trap because it's so confusing am i looking at the right trap when it was in new york or in la am i looking at the right trap yes. and it's and it's the it's a, a rollout uh, hero or or is it a containment unit hero yeah i i love and hate ghost traps so much at least with proton packs it's like <laughs> which one of the five is it <laughs> yeah <laughs> but with ghost traps i feel like which one of the 20 is it it, it it's it feels like there's a hundred of them it does and i'm like where are they like in the movie <laughs> there's just yeah. like Four in the movies total that you see it's on obnoxious. screen. Why are there so many? It's obnoxious. Um, 
We're getting way off topic. We've been though. way off topic. I started thinking we were way <laughs> off topic like 12 minutes ago. And I and I keep looking at my pack. I'm like, what other external parts? I mean, you you have the booster frame. Again, we've kind of gone into all the all the important vendors. So mm-hmm. eventually it comes to a point where you're just circling around the same people. Uh, the the reality is is that as far as aluminum goes, the most common vendors are going to be heavy props, Ghostbuster fans. Um, I think Heimdall's Armory might do some runs. I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that because he doesn't have the same kind of presence um, as others. There's yeah. uh, I want to say another guy out there doing aluminum parts that I ran across, and I should have documented it. Um, uh, oddly enough, randomly out of the blue, a couple days ago, the CPU 64 popped up on Facebook. I can't remember his, his page, but he's like, Hey, you know, please let me know if you're canceling one of your parts. I was like, Oh, he does still make parts. That was him. Yep. That was the same post I saw. So that was, that was CPU 64. I want to say it's like Ghostbusters Armory or something like that. Yeah. It's like Ghostbusters Armory. So he's doing aluminum parts. Um, if you're getting resin cast stuff, again, hit your main three: Ghostbuster fans, Proton Props, or Max Factory. Um, as yeah. far as quality there, goes, well, yeah, there's so many like mystery parts and stuff on eBay. Yeah, Av- avoid it, eBay. Uh, now, Heavy Props yeah. does offer on eBay. Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously you can check your seller and make sure, but there's so many just like rando sellers of like random re- resin parts and stuff you know that's a roll of the dice there's a unless it's somebody a, you know that's established there's a one piece cast ghost trap that pops up on ebay that looks like it's made out of melting soap and sometimes i think about buying it just so i can laugh at it <laughs> oh man um you should but but for, just for put it in a case <laughs> in a case yeah this is this is a ghost trap that was in the containment unit when it blew up um <laughs> But, you know, for if you're going to go the resin route, check those big three again. Um, from what I can tell, they all are quality. I know I yeah. know AJ's parts are quality. I know Aaron Mack's parts are quality. Um, everything, the feedback that I've been hearing on Proton Props and, and talking with uh, the owner over there, also high quality. So I'm, I'm happy to see those things um, in yeah, production. I, I can't vouch for the quality of Ben of Kent's resin parts, um, nor mm. the expediency in which you would receive those. I know I have a, a trap that I placed to order with him, um, but it hasn't been that long. It hasn't even been, I think, two weeks. Um, yeah. But it was it was a good deal, and I know it's all 3D printed. I just want to see what the kit's all about. And then, and then of course, scratch building. Um, scratch building is a real easy easy route especially for that beam line the filler tube the booster tube uh hga and filter and the injector tubes because that's that's essentially pvc with a cap you know cut plastic here cut plastic there um hot glue a fake weld on and you're good to go (laughs) (laughs) even uh even iron arms aren't that difficult to scratch build no they're not um you know just uh take your time and yeah. You know, re- it, it, I will say if you're if you're scratch building one, unless you're going to be a madman like me and plan on resin filling it after the fact. Right. Uh 
reinforce the hell out of the inside of it. Because remember, um, only dirt bags. Only dirt bags grab, grab by arms. arms. Yep. Well, I, yeah, I'm I'm glad we had this conversation. I think it was productive. Even though we we went off topic, we can always tell how tired we are based on how off topic <laughs> we keep kind of venturing. Um, but it was a solid episode. Yeah. I'm glad you made the suggestion for us to just talk about that. So that that's session 15, just talking about proton pack parts. We're going to go ahead and talk about Wands next episode and. The reality here is that might turn into two episodes, Austin. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure okay everybody else is too. Yeah, there's there's definitely a lot of options for ones and some really exciting ones out there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, uh, remember to to like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can always join the conversation at Spengler's 1984 Workbench. Uh, we release every Tuesday, or at least we try to release every Tuesday. And you can check us out through our RSS feed. Uh, you can check us out on Spotify and, of course, Apple Podcasts. And then every Friday on YouTube um, for the Black Firehouse Podcast. This is Dan Harshman and... Austin Young saying go out and build something. As a duly designated representative of the city, I order you to cease any and all supernatural activity and return forthwith to your place of origin or to the nearest convenient parallel dimension. Okay, so I'll see you later, huh? I'll give you a call. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. Two in the box! Ready to go! We be fast and they be slow! For whatever reasons, Ray, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. I believe that everything happens for a reason. I believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. For what purpose? To go into business for ourselves. Boy, the superintendent's gonna be pissed. We're ready to believe you.